This is Wildcat Country. It's only right. The ball's in his hands. A milestone victory for Arizona. Simon Says Championship. All the inside scoop on U of A athletics. Welcome to another edition of Wildcat Country. Eric Cohen and Shane Dale. It's the end of May, almost Memorial Day. You'd think that there's nothing going on. We'd have nothing to talk about. And then I almost had to cut down the show because there was so much going on, Shane. First of all, before we go any further, you and I had a chance, uh, this will be segment two, to sit down last night with Ignacio Risotto, who is a uh, a draft analyst, and he, he basically he's an analyst with foreign uh, basketball players. He knows his stuff. Yep. You guys are going to really enjoy that interview in the second segment. But first, Shane, I mean, I'll tell you what, between basketball scheduling, rumors, baseball, Pac-12, mess with ESPN, does it stop? It, well, you know, in a former life, Eric, I used to work in the TV news business on on the sports side of things at ABC 15. And you know, I'd all, we, the kiss of death was always, oh, it looks like it's going to be a slow sports day because mm-hmm. something always happened. As soon as we said that there's going to there's a trade or a firing or some off field, off court nonsense or something. So now we never had a shortage of things to talk about, you know, in the offseason, whether the first our first year, it was uh, all the the firings and. Mm-hmm. And, and new hires, and uh, and then we got the Pac-12 deal. We've got, unfortunately, some off-field stuff we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and, of course, with the transfer portal now, there, everything is very fluid uh, in, in the men's basketball and women's basketball situation uh, up until you know after the NBA draft. So that creates more uh, a lot more opportunities for us to talk about stuff. And, and Ignacio, is, is, is you're going to enjoy the interview. You're going to learn a lot. We learned a lot, too. Yeah, great intel, you guys. As Shane said and I said, uh, this one is very informative. You're going to find out about Krivos and uh, and the other Lithuanian Morauskas. Morauskas, thank you. Yes, mm. I, I'm very you know Krivos and Morauskas, Morauskas yes. and Krivos. Yes, we're gonna we're gonna find out. And I asked uh, him how they those guys compare to Henry Vesar from last year, just kind of as a mm-hmm. as you know relative expectations. So we'll find out about that. But. First, Shane, let's get right into it. It is Buy or Sell presented by our friends at Ice Shaker. You can see the Ice Shaker if you're watching on the YouTube in Shane's hand and behind him and couple behind me on my bookshelf. Go to IceShaker.com and use promo code Wildcat Country, capital W, capital C, to get $5 off or go to Fanatics.com and get your Ice Shaker. They will come in handy during your Arizona summer. All right, Shane, number one, let's start with football this week with the addition of wide receiver Montana Lamonius Craig. Arizona has its most potent offense on paper in the last 25 years. Basically, basically, Shane, there are no excuses for it to fail by yourself. Well, let me step back for just a second and just appreciate, because you know how many offers this guy got as soon as he uh, announced he was transferring from Colorado? Like so many D1 offers. So good, yeah. And you think about where Arizona was three years ago, and the only guys Arizona was getting were guys who had, where Arizona was their only uh, power five offer. It was that it was Arizona or you know Mountain West or the or the the Mac or something like that, and now Jed Fish is winning these kinds of battles. And if he's not winning, he's in the mix at the very end. Uh, and the, and the coaching staff as well. They play a big part, obviously. So I want to uh, just take time to appreciate uh, that just complete one eighty from a couple of years ago. When I saw this question, Eric, my first reaction was uh, Eric with his hyperbole going over the top again. The the, the best, most talented offense in twenty five years. That can't be. 
And I thought about it. And there's a case. There's definitely a case. I think I think back to 2009, Nick Foles' first season as, as a starter at Arizona. He didn't start the season as the starter. Matt Scott did. But that was a great offense. And But if they had Rob Gronkowski healthy Different on top story. of that, Correct. then that I think yeah. would be number one. And that you could have been looking at a Rose Bowl team that year. Uh, so maybe I think it, I think you could say it's certainly the most well-rounded uh, you look at you know, Jaden Delore, who I know we're going to talk about the quarterback situation in a little while, uh, Michael Wiley coming back. They have a, a they're so deep at, at running back. It's absurd. And Michael Wiley, I saw this stat. Uh, I want to get it right. Uh, he was number one in uh, yards per attempt when not contacted in the hmm. backfield last season, uh, Interesting. nine, nine yards per attempt in that situation. So uh, you get some good blocking for him uh, and get bringing Jordan Morgan back. It's definitely going to be big, uh, but you get Jonah Coleman coming back, uh, speedy Luke. Uh, hopefully we'll get in the mix a little more. And it, it, they're deeper than that as well. The wide receiver side uh, signing, uh, the signing this past week, uh, Cowing McMillan, apparently uh, T-Mac has put on some weight and he's going to be a bigger, bigger force next season for sure. The tight end room is, you know, Tanner McLaughlin's great, and then they have some depth beyond that. Ian so, Burnett, yeah, don't forget about Ian Burnett. Burnett. Yeah. We've Wildcat Country guest Kian Burnett, who didn't make much of an impact last season, but I think that's largely because of what McLaughlin did. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's the most well-rounded, uh, certainly. Uh, to me, I mentioned this before, and I mentioned this before the off-field stuff with Jaden Delore, but that he's my biggest question: Is he going to take that leap forward? And I think a lot of it has to do with the. Um, you know, the mo- emotional aspect with him. Of course, there's also the question, will he remain on the team? I think he probably will. Uh, but assuming that he's still there, will he continue? Will he let his his emotions get the best of him because he's an emotional guy? Uh, we saw what happened with him and uh, Dorian Singer toward the end of last season. Um, but I, I will buy that they have the potential to be. I guess I'm hedging a little bit, but they do now, have the potential. Now, listen, I'm not expecting them to score necessarily as many as we saw during the Rich Rodriguez days because – you know, Rich Rod's offense was a different animal. His defense was also a different animal, which was really bad. As far as on paper goes, I mean, Arizona's wide receiver room is top five in the country. You, you can't – Cowing's a preseason All-American candidate. T-Mac is eventually – you know, could be an All-American uh, one day. And and uh, Lamonius Craig is a pretty darn good player. So, uh, I'm, I mean, and not to mention Kevin Green, and, and there's yeah. probably other guys that we're not even – I mean, this is as deep a unit as Arizona has ever had. If, if I had one criticism of the wide receiver room, it was that lack of depth. You had those three great guys. And then like a lot of times you look at the box score, those three guys and uh, and McLaughlin, maybe one of the running backs would be the only guys who would catch passes. So that wasn't necessarily a problem. I'm just saying that after those top three last year, you had a bit of a drop-off. So I'd like to see a little more depth this season. I know I'm sounding greedy because of where this team was at two years ago, but I think that's a reasonable request. I believe Arizona, uh, we know that uh, Washington, USC, and Oregon probably will have in some order the top three offenses in the Pac-12. I don't see why Arizona should not be top half. Uh, And I could make an argument without knowing other teams' rosters all that well that Arizona has the fourth most talented offense in the conference. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in the third segment with quarterbacks. But, I mean, this is really exciting. Uh, I I mean, I'm stoked. I just, you know, as a side note, I just moved my tickets to the north end zone. I'm getting old. I need need a seat back here. You need a seat back. No more aluminum slabs for you. Yeah, no, thank you. Uh, You turn 40 and you need a seat back. That's that's the way I look at it. Uh, But I expect to be seeing a lot of scoring in that north end zone uh, from Arizona and hopefully not as much from the opponent's. But I'm really excited about that. So uh, great addition by Jed Fish 
uh, in Montana, Lamonius Craig. All right, number two, let's switch over to basketball because the other big note of the week, we talked about Kashad Johnson last week and he committed the next day on Saturday. That's yep. great. We're excited about that. So I, I noticed that there was a Twitter uh, exchange back and forth between you and one Frank Kaminsky after it was announced that Arizona has, has added Wisconsin to its non-conference schedule next year, which features Duke uh, on the road, uh, Michigan State in Palm Springs, Wisconsin at home, and Alabama in Phoenix. And potentially, the rumor has it, that there's another marquee game that's going to be announced. This is a bad thing for Arizona next year with the roster uncertainty. Buy or sell? Well, first of all, you think I was? You think I hurt Frank's feelings? I didn't. I didn't yes, okay. you told him he didn't play in the NBA Finals thing because he didn't. He didn't. I was at Game It'd Five. Be nice I'm, to him. I'm a. I'm a. Look in my Twitter bio, I mentioned extremely bitter Arizona sports fan, and that includes U of A basketball and the Suns. And Fair. you know Frank Kaminsky, he you know he beats my Wildcats, and then the least he can do is make up for it by helping the Suns win a championship, and then he doesn't be nice. I, I don't want to be nice. I know. I know. I need all to right. set an example for my son. Whatever. Yes. Yeah, set an example for your son. All right. All right. I'm sorry, Frank. I'm sorry. I don't think he can. If he's listening, I, which I I'm doubt. sure he is. I'm sure yes. he's, you know, I'm sure yeah. this is on his, on his I'll, I'll put that in the Twitter description. Shane apologized to, to Frank Kaminsky and we'll see what happens. Okay. Yeah. I I'm won't sure. do that. I'm kidding. I, no, I'm, I'm, okay. I'm sure that means a lot to him. Uh, yeah. you, you know, I, I, we've had this discussion before, Eric. I, I, I am a big fan of Lou Dolson's scheduling back in the day of, of, scheduling a, a a murderer's row of of opponents i i think it's a good thing regardless of how good your team is i think it can only make your team better you know getting you know, look they they get their butt kicked a couple times so what they, they they get humbled they realize they got work to do they'll come together i i don't have a problem with that i i think look i i would i don't know if there's a correlation but i would rather them them lose a couple of those games or, or most of those games and come together late in the season and put it all together in the tournament than the Fair. other way around. Uh, so I, I don't know that the, you know, the, the past two teams have gotten uh, Tommy Lloyd's first two teams have gotten too arrogant in that regard or whatever. Maybe they thought they arrived a little too soon, but no, I, I think it's, it's a good thing to have that kind of competition. It, you know, you, it, 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 for better or worse exposes some of the things you need to work on, even if you win those games. So no, I I'm, I'm all for it. And look, if nothing else, it's not going to hurt their net ranking uh, going into selection Sunday. No, but an Owen four would be disastrous. I mean, it, it, Arizona's got to, it would, I mean, it doesn't matter who you play. If you're not beating them, it doesn't matter. I don't, I don't care. And now here's the one thing that's a little bit different. And the reason I'm going to say it's not a bad thing. So we saw Arizona kind of, I mean, they, they played decent non-conference schedules, with the preseason tournaments that they've won in the first two years of the Tommy Lloyd era. And we got our hopes up heading into the Pac-12 tournament, which they won both years. And then you go to the tournament and they just aren't great, especially this year, you know, getting embarrassed by Princeton in the second half, essentially. Yeah. You, you can't go 0-4. It's it's just, it's a, you have to, a two and two, I'm fine with. You're, not, you're probably not beating Duke. And yeah. Michigan State, Wisconsin, Alabama, all you know, all those games are played within a 150 mile radius, generally, or 200 mile radius of Tucson, including one of them in Tucson. Yeah, you gotta you gotta win two out of three of those, in my opinion. Well, in Wisconsin, they didn't even make the tournament last season. I don't think. No, they so. they made the NIT semifinals. Yeah, yeah they were yeah, they weren't very good. Uh, but let's play a game of Would you rather, Eric? Okay. Would Would you rather go say 12 and one in non conference play, but play a sub 100 strength of schedule? Or go say eight and five and play the top twenty strength of schedule. Who are your wins? Where? How? I mean, it, say, it's say hard they to... win. Say Arizona wins one of the four, and then they 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 win all the rest except one. Did they get blown out in the other three? 
What does I mean, in terms of net rankings, it doesn't matter. No, but I but I'm talking about it's not all about net rankings to me. It's about how does this team look? If yeah. they go and lose to Duke by two, or they lose to Duke by five, you're like, okay, like I get it. If they lose by twenty, I'm going. Yeah. This is a problem. But here's the thing, Eric. That I don't think even if this team ends up being very good, and which they certainly have the the, the capability of, of of being, especially if they land Caleb Love, which I know he's uh, rumored to be uh, Arizona's rumored to be we'll a finalist with him. Here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but even if they're very good, they might not come together right away. That they're a very different looking team. And I know that's kind of the norm now in college hoops with all the transfers, but they are exceptionally different looking uh mm-hmm. compared you know Kirk Creeks is not there to run the offense anymore as Julius Tabellis their leading scorer is is very very likely gone and they have a lot of turnover and so even if they end up uh being a tournament team end up winning the Pac-12 or finishing a close second they may struggle out of the gate and I don't and whether they I'd rather that loss come to someone like Duke than a uh than, than a weak uh non-conference I, I think it's how they play when you look at uh, Tommy Lloyd's teams, for the most part, they have not been blown out. Yeah, you know, in their losses. Uh, I mean, there's the a couple a of exceptions, but yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but yeah. like, you have the Wisconsin game's a must win. It's at home. You you have to win that game. I mean, there's no no ifs ands or buts about it. The Alabama game, uh, the games in Phoenix, the Michigan State game. I mean, those are probably two top fifteen teams. Yeah. I think you got to split one of those. Just my opinion. I, it, great to schedule these teams. Doesn't matter if you look bad against them. It's the it's more does more harm than good in my opinion. If you get blown out, now we don't know until the actual games are played, but this is a common theme that we'll be discussing. I admire Tommy for putting together a nice schedule. Love it. I mean, the games are there. We're going to be talking about this during football season for sure with mm-hmm. all these I- impressive games. I'm a little concerned though. Not going to lie. All right, um, number three. So there are rumors, Shane, about uh, it was an article on 24/7 Sports today on Wednesday that Caleb Love, uh, who was North Carolina's point guard when they made the championship game the other year, transferring out, he committed to Michigan. Then uh, something didn't work out there, maybe academics. And now he's down to generally uh, Arizona, Texas, Gonzaga, and maybe Creighton are in the mix. If Caleb Love were to come to Arizona, we here's the thing. He's like a a better Kirk Creesa. The the shooting is what it is. He can be a hero or a zero. Uh, buy or sell Caleb love coming to Arizona is would be amazing for this roster. I will sell that. It will be amazing. I will buy that. Okay. He would certainly be an asset and, and add depth, whether he's a starter or, or, or get significant minutes off the bench. My, my concern sure. is, uh, you know, I definitely take him if he wants to come for sure. Uh, you, you take him and Jaden Bradley. You have a combined, a pretty, as we say in the corporate world, opportunities in the field mm-hmm. goal department. Yep. You know, neither guy has been a good shooter that that could change. That could, especially Jaden Bradley, who's still very young. I think he can be be much better. But uh, you know, like like Cotton Fitzsimmons always used to say, you could never have enough shooters. But are these guys shooters? Are they shooters at the collegiate level? Uh, but Arizona needs to. I think they really need to add at least one more strong guard, one guy who can. Well, he's a scorer. Caleb's yeah, he's, a scorer, he is, but he is. but he's you know his field goal percentage isn't good, and he plays yeah. a lot of hero ball. Yeah. The a cool angle about this though, Shane, that Arizona plays at Duke. If there's probably one player. In college basketball right now, that's that's hated more by Duke fans. I I, I can't yeah, think of one other fair. than Caleb Love. So if I were him, I'd consider that. The other thing that you have to think about, you have uh Boswell, who's a traditional point guard, Bradley, who's a you know, hybrid yeah. point guard, shooting guard, and then you'd have Love, who's the same thing. You'd have a three-guard lineup, which would be potent. I mean, Arizona's ball handling would not be a problem. You think all those guys shooting? would start? 
Oh, yeah. You bet. Caleb Love's not coming to Arizona, and Bradley's not coming to Arizona to sit on the bench. I think Kelly yeah. Larson is a great sixth man and replaces yeah. one of those, and then you you rotate him in. You probably have you know two of those guys in the game at once, but I think all three of them would start. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, you'd, you'd have, I have to imagine that, that Caleb Love and, and Jaden, I don't, I mean, Caleb Love, especially Jaden Bradley. I know like someone on YouTube said, Shane, Jaden Bradley's starting next season. And he probably yeah. oh, is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I just, I don't know if it's a given, but yeah, you probably find a way to start those three guys and then, and then um, Johnson and Balo. Uh, and then yeah. bring, bring Paul Lawson off the bench, and then a, the, the the two Lithuanian guys, and uh, yeah, it, it's that's it's, a top fifteen lineup right there. Maybe, I'll tell you that. Maybe oh, yeah. if, if at least one of the European guys, and I'm including Henry Vesar in that discussion, uh, ends up being a, a significant contributor uh, next season, then then the top twenty five. I don't know about top fifteen. Oh no! If you get Caleb Love, you are a top fifteen team. You got KJ mm-hmm. Lewis, another guy off the bench yeah. who should contribute as a, as a two guard. You know, Pella. Uh, I think obviously the big men, if we, if, as you said, if you get one of those guys that, that can make an impact plus Vesar, you can go eight deep. Uh, I don't expect much from Borovicinen. Um, you know, who knows what to get expect. I, Vesar will play. I mean, he's seven foot, whatever he's gonna, he's gonna be in the game, uh, hmm. as a big body who's, who's taken fouls and he can defend. You've uh, had, uh, well, uh, Karnowski, uh, working with the working big guys. With him, yeah. So hopefully yeah. that'll help as well. Yeah. All right, number four, Shane, uh, the Pac-12 has no chance of survival if the rumors are true that ESPN being in discussions with the conference, uh, they're not being in, uh, with, basically, if ESPN's out, the conference is dead by yourself. Uh, I, I'm going to sell that they're dead. I think they should be. I kind of wish, wish they would be. I just, I, I don't, well, and I don't don't know why ESPN would get involved in this, this point. I mean, how would the Pac-12 go from, you know, allegedly the CW to back to ESPN. I, I don't understand. Like, and I'm not the foremost expert by any means on the TV deal. So I, I feel a little underqualified to comment too much about this, but I feel like the PAC 12 is intent and at adamant at this point in surviving one way or another. Uh, so I, I think that they, I don't think they're dead or at least put it this way. I don't think they realize they're dead. No. Uh, I, th- I, I think I would like to see Arizona and, and ASU and the mountain schools uh, splinter off and join the big 12. Uh, but I don't think this is the the uh, it's I, kind of like the uh, the coyote situation in Arizona to keep finding a way to stick around for whatever reason. I feel like the Pac-12 may be stubborn and continue to to survive one but way or the other. If you are not on a major TV network, if you don't have a deal with CBS, no. NBC, uh, Fox or ESPN, your conference is dead. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're you're the Mac, but even the Mac has an ESPN deal you're right. and a CBS deal. Everyone loves some action on a Thursday. Right? Well, I mean, literally, if you have nothing, I mean, heck, at this point, does the Pac-12 settle for a CBS Sports Network deal with yeah. an occasional game on? Or streaming on Apple or like. I mean, it's a disaster. Yeah. Arizona has to get out of this conference. I, you know what? I, we're going to go back and forth with this. But if ESPN is truly out and wants no part of the conference, we'll see if those rumors are true or not. But one other thing, Shane, not necessarily a buy or sell question, but Larry Scott apparently left the $50, $50 million overpayment to Comcast and a ten, now a $10 million expense on the old lease in San Francisco. So these schools are like, this conference is not good. So Colorado is rumored, there. there's some rumors out there lately that they're going to be the first school to jump. If they jump, do you think that others will follow or do you I think, think Colorado would go solo? I think the dominoes would have to follow at that point. I mean, what would you do? I mean, if if the goal is to, or the plan as of now is to add two schools to replace UCLA and USC, even if they're San Diego state and I don't know, SMU, whoever, then 
Yeah, I, I could see them trying to survive. But then if an, if another school jumps, I can't imagine Colorado would be the only one. I think, and I, I admittedly hope that Arizona would follow and probably ASU and Utah would as well if they have that opportunity. I'll so. tell you though, Shane, I think ASU and Utah are, are digging their heels in. And I have no problem if Colorado and Arizona go and ASU uh, and Utah stay behind. And, and Arizona is going to play ASU every year in all likelihood. It's good. It's you good would, for everybody. You would think, but you know, some of these rivalries are gone by the wayside. You know, like Oklahoma, OK State, that's not going to continue. Um, and I mean, that's ter- and, and Texas and Texas A&M, which will be brought back in the SEC. But yeah, yeah I, I would think they would. I think the Board of Regents would find a way to keep that these two schools. Yeah. Well, a lot of a lot of schools have. You know, Clemson and South Carolina. They they play Utah and BYU do mm-hmm. every year. Iowa. Well, that's most every year. Most every year, not. I don't think they played last no, year. No, you're right, but most yeah, most every year. But yeah, a lot, so that does happen, but I'm not I'm just saying it's not a given. Don't just assume that's going to happen. It, I, it should. I mean, we got the 100 ter- the 100th territorial cup game coming up in just a few years. Um so hopefully we get there, but um uh, I imagine that wherever Arizona goes, the issue will follow or vice versa. Uh we're going to find out generally by I think July 1st is is a deadline to look at that San Diego State's uh if they were to leave the mountain West after that, I think their, uh, uh, their goodbye payment is like four times what it is now. So keep an mm-hmm. eye on that, uh, okay. that date. But I think we're going to see something in June, one way or the other, we're going to know either this conference is staying together or they're going, I don't, I don't think it'll linger much beyond that. So is I that we'll officially Eric? Is it called a, a goodbye payment? Is that the official? Uh, I, I would have to, uh, I really I, hope it is. Cause I really like that. I, I believe there are other, there's other terminology for that. <laughs> I guess we'll find out about that. All right. uh, Coming up next, Ignacio Rizzotto, foreign basketball expert, draft expert. I don't know what to call him. He's just really smart. You'll enjoy the interview as well here in Wildcat Country. What's up, Wildcat Country? It's Robbie G, baby. And I am gearing up for a big year with Coach Jed Fish and excited to see what the Arizona Wildcats do this football season. And just like the football team, we stepped up our program as well with the official licensed U of A ice shaker, baby. Check it out and get it at fanatics.com. Bear down, Arizona. Let's go. Shane, yet another newcomer to Wildcat Country, and this is a really good one that we have here. Ignacio Risotto, who is a scout for Pro Insight and Draft Digest. You can find him on Twitter at E-Y-R-E Ball. And Ignacio knows foreign prospects better than just about anybody that we better than anybody we've ever talked to on this program. So we're really excited to be able to talk to you. We really are glad to have you. So Arizona got a couple of guys. Uh, in Krivas and Morauskas, I believe his name is. So just first of all, overarching question. Did Tommy Lloyd get it right in finding these two guys out of Europe? Are these Arizona quality players, in your opinion? Well, first off, thank you so much for the invite and for the warm reception uh, and the kind words. Uh, definitely. And the, 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 the answer to the question is, for me, is definitely... Uh, in the case of Murauskas, I thought Murauskas was going into the draft this year. I certainly thought that he had, you know, the type of performance this year in the Lithuanian League as an 18-year-old. Uh, he's, he was born in 2004. And he had a production for Shalgiri, which is probably the main team in Lithuania. I thought he had the type of production where 
he wouldn't necessarily get drafted this year, but he would go through the draft process, going to maybe one of the combines and meeting the teams and etc. And so once he didn't, you know, write his name in in the draft, uh, I thought it was weird. Uh, I, I even tweeted that he was one of the guys to watch for next year. And I started hearing whispers about him coming over and going to the NCAA. And of course, he ends up in Arizona. Um, for me, Murawskis is definitely a, a future NBA caliber guy. Uh, offensively, uh, defensively, some, some things he still needs to, you know, work on. But definitely, I think he has the offensive potential to be a, an NBA player. And, and with Krivas, um, he spent most of the season with the second team of of Shalgary in Lithuania. Um, and even even though he's a, a bit of an older prospect, he's born 2003, um, he has the size and the mobility and the production as well from the center position to to where I really think that he will translate maybe not from like day one, but I can see him at, by the back end of his freshman year, like being a productive player just because of that combination of size and mobility is not something that you can find everywhere. So yeah, for me, he definitely got a ride with two players that have not only impact in year one, but can have long lasting impact for year two, year three, year four. Okay. Yeah. And Ignacio, I, I read what you wrote about uh, about Morauskas and his potential to play in the NBA from uh, a, a story that you linked in uh, from December. Uh, you say he's six eight, has long arms. He's a great shooter, which um, our, you know, our Bruce Pascoe, our friend last week, mentioned as well. You said he's developed very well off the ball. You said he might have trouble creating his own shot uh, due to lack of a you know quick first step, over reliance on converting tough shots. Uh, against contact uh, has he that, that was five months ago has he improved in that area and and how do you think that's going to translate to the college game I think let's let's remember that again he plays for one of the main teams in Lithuania and unlike uh, domestic prospects unlike prospects who play in high school teams where they are options one two and three um, he Actually, this season he got loaned to Liet Cavellis, which is a Euro Cup team, uh, which which means that he not only plays for uh, in the Lithuanian league, he also plays in continental competitions. And when you're an 18-year-old playing in those sort of teams and those uh, sort of environments, it's not like the Victor Wembanyamas, Luka Doncic of the world are are rare, and those are players who get a lot of like usage from an early age. Most of the prospects in Europe, when they get to top teams or teams playing in top tier competitions, they have that same uh, career and role as Morawskis, where it's like he plays mostly off the ball and the. the what what you see in a prospect there is, okay, does he make the most of what he's given? And in the case of Morauskas, I think he's definitely found a role as this kind of, you know, strong um, stretch four at 6-8 who can really shoot the ball, has really great touch. But when you ask him to maybe create in the perimeter in the limited occasions that he had, because again, team construct and the role that he's having for this team, 
um, he might not be super, super advanced. So I would say, has he improved through the season? No, but may, but what I can say is that he has become more effective and that he's made the most of the role he had for, for Leib Cavallis. Okay. And then as far as Krivas, and can you just, is it, is it Mateus? How do you say his first name? Uh, yeah, <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I think Lithuanian is a bit, uh, yeah. I would say Matthias. Yeah. Matthias Krivas. Okay. We'll go with that for now. And I know you've gotten to know him a little bit and, and he was a defensive player of the year in, in his, in his league. And I know you called him an effective rim protector and rebounder, good floor spacer. Uh, you know, it, it, you get some bigger, you know, bigger guys in, in college basketball. Arizona's got to play a couple of big 10 teams this year, Michigan state and Wisconsin. As far as defense under the hoop, do you think he's going to be able to meet the challenge when he faces some of those bigger guys in college basketball? That's a great question. And again, uh, Krivas spent most of the season in the second league, uh, which is certainly not the quality of the first league of Lithuania, yeah. but he has seen some some minutes in, in that first league as well. So He's a, a not as battle tested as you maybe would like for a prospect to come year one and make an impact, but he's certainly seen his first share of minutes against grown men and against against size and length and and he has done uh, pretty well in terms of holding his own both on offense and on defense on limited minutes. Uh, as most 18 year olds, 18, 19 year olds do in, in for those teams. Um, what I would say is for me, considering the amount of time he spent on the second league, it might take him a, a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months. But I think just the size is just, he's just so big and so long that being also so mobile and so able to you know, convert shots at the rim. It's hard for me not to see him contributing uh, to winning at some point during the season. Might not be the first few weeks of the season, but I, I think that as he gets more acclimated with the NCAA game and also um, the the rhythm of the game, you know, playing multiple times each week, uh, which is something that prospects in Europe can have a hard time getting accustomed to, uh, but 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 I I would be optimistic for him to, you know, being a contributor at least by the end of his freshman year. All right, Ignacio, here's a here's kind of a random one, and we're gonna think back to last year because Arizona got a couple of players in Henry Vesar and Philip Borovichinen. So if you were to rank the four of them, the two guys they got this year and Vesar and Borovichinen, as far as guy the the ones that you like the most versus you think will be less productive throughout the rest of their college careers. How would you rank those four? Going into their college career, I think I would have Basar and Murawskis just around the same tier. I, I thought Basar before coming into Arizona uh, was also this type of, you know, guy, if everything breaks well for him, he has for me every tool and, and every skill to become an NBA prospect on the long run just because there's not a lot of guys at his size with his length and his skill set. So Vesar maybe has the the highest ceiling long-term. So I would say Vesar, Murauskas, uh, then Krivas, and then Borovicinin, who 
I didn't really have a, a great read coming out of Europe, but uh, it's mostly because I think, if I recall correctly, uh, Borovitchinin didn't really have much of a European career. He kind of, I don't want to say came out of nowhere, but he didn't play in the traditional circuits, you know, the, the ANGTs, U18 tournaments, and FIBA competitions. So I, I didn't have the best read on him against, you know, that level of competition. So I would put, I would have put Borovic in him for coming into our zone. Well, we certainly hope that Vesar steps it up. Uh, he had some moments uh, last year, but then became kind of an afterthought, which was a little disappointing. So hopefully he has a better second year with Arizona. All right. So one stereotype about European players is that they are soft. Do you agree with that? And uh, I mean, are these guys like some people said about Vesar? Vesar has a level of toughness, but yeah, generally, you know, the stereotype is what it is. Just kind of your thoughts on that. That's that's a, like a multi-layered question. I would say I generally don't like stereotypes for any, you know, country. And, and, and you hear it, certainly it's not just something that you hear when you talk with call, people from college or people from the U.S. I think, you know, talking with European scouts and talking with Latin American scouts and Asian scouts and et cetera, it's like every nationality has kind of its own like um, prejudice attached to it. So I, I never really trust that. I would say that sometimes the perceived softness of or perceived lack of energy is mostly for the type of basketball culture that some of the prospects come where maybe if they are, you know, if they demonstrate a lot of excitement and get emotional on the court and et cetera, um, they get reprimanded by their coaches. And there are certainly certain countries that, you know, um, don't really like to, encourage even creativity and some of the prospects and limit what they do on the court so i think it's it, it a lot of times that's the perception but i think it's because of the basketball culture they come from but i don't think it in most cases even if there's a cultural basketball difference i don't think there's that affects productivity if that makes any sense but in, in short no i don't think I don't believe European or prospects from anywhere are softer. I just think they demonstrate maybe competitiveness on a different way uh, just because of the basketball culture that they come from. What about the speed of the game, Ignacio? Because I think I, I want to say Azulis Tubelis commented once, like what it, the biggest adjustment for him was the speed of the college game. Do you find that is that an adjustment for for 18 and 19 year olds who come out of, out of Lithuania or, or other parts of Eastern Europe when they come to uh, play college basketball in America? That's, that's a really great question, and this year I got more into high school basketball from the U.S. as well, just to understand more and be more trained in recognizing the difference between the basketball that we see played in Europe and the basketball that, you know, it's mostly played in high school and, you know, 90% or 80% of, of those prospects end up making a, up the college roster. So there's a more clear path from high school 
type basketball to college type basketball. I would say, yes, there's kind of an adjustment. I would say because in European basketball, most teams, and again, it's a part of basketball culture. There's a lot of half court offense, a lot of let's play 24 seconds. Let's slow it down. Let's, let's look at the coach. Let's see what coach, what play he calls. Um, and, you know, not, not every country, not every club, not every coach um, encourages creativity. While you watch a high school basketball game, and yes, there are certain coaches and certain teams that run really detailed half-court offenses with a lot of set plays and a lot of concepts, but you watch most of the teams and they just make stuff up on the fly. And so I believe that maybe it's not so much the speed of the game, but it's the culture shock of seeing yourself on the court and not having a coach to look at or a play that he's calling and say, okay, I just have to develop new basketball instincts. It's a little more free-flowing, you're saying. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Uh, You put everything I said in the past 90 seconds in two words. (laughs) But yeah, it's definitely more free-flowing. And there's a culture shock that I would say most, if not all, of players coming from overseas go through. All right. My last question for Ignacio, and this has been educational. We really do appreciate it. Uh, Is there's obviously been a big influx of European uh, talent and uh, that's come to America, both at the collegiate and the NBA levels already. Do you see that increasing like percentage wise over the next several years? Is like Tommy Lloyd maybe kind of ahead of the game as far as like what's coming to college basketball in the NBA? Yeah. An- another great question. I would say that if we take a look at the guys committing this year to college, um, we're seeing probably the most, deep class of international players committing to college. Now, is it the most deep class in terms of overall talent? No. So what's the difference? The difference is that guys who used to stay overseas and maybe, you know, attempted to play for some teams in Europe, some lesser teams, or play for their teams in second divisions and etc now are making their way to college. Uh, Murauskas is, is a case where you have a guy that's fringe, fringe MBA and he ends up going to college instead of staying with his, you know, Lithuanian league and EuroCup team. Um, Jan Bide just committed to UCLA today. Right. And, and Bide is not really one of my favorite prospects, but a lot of people see him as an MBA prospect next year and he could have played played in 90% of European teams and he ends up going to UCLA. So you have a ton of the guys and I would say for Arizona, Tuvelis was one of those cases where I always thought he was kind of a fringe NBA guy and he ends up instead of staying in Lithuania, he ends up going to Arizona. So we're seeing a trend of more and more players going to college instead of staying in their home countries. And I think that's only going to grow bigger, especially if they find a way to get NIL benefits to international players. Once that door opens, I, I assume, and knowing European and international agents, 
if that door opens, it's going to be one, two players staying in Europe and the rest are <laughs> going to come over. Yeah. So if that ever happens, uh, it's, it's only going to grow bigger, uh, I would say. Well, that's good that Tommy Lloyd's getting ahead of it. And uh, certainly, I guess he's he's putting that footprint out there, which is important. All right, Ignacio, this has been great info. And as I mentioned at the start, people can find you on Twitter. But where else? Where can our audience uh, find your content, which is outstanding? So, again, thank you so much for the invite. I write for uh, two outlets at the moment, Draft Digest is the place in Sports Illustrated where we covered the draft. So it's si.com slash NBA slash draft or find Draft Digest on Twitter. And also for Pro Insight is a scouting service and we deal with a lot of prospects coming one, two, three, four years down the pipeline. Uh, the, the site was covering a an event where there's 2029 20, prospects this weekend. So we're trying to get ahead of curve. So if you're interested in, in what's coming next, uh, we got you covered for sure. Well, we certainly learned a lot tonight. And uh, thank you so much for, for coming on with us. And the way that Arizona's recruiting, I have a feeling we'll be talking to you again sooner than later. Thanks again, Ignacio. Thank you so much, guys. Really cool to talk to Ignacio. Did you, I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as Shane and I did. Shane, what did you get most out of it? Great stuff. I mean, fewer guys that you would think know more about the the two guys coming to from Lithuania than, than him. And I, it was interesting hearing him say that you know it wasn't so much the um, the speed of the game that that throws off some of the the European uh, guys who come to to play college basketball, but it's more the free flow. It's like yeah, they're they have to like learn to freelance a little bit more. They get that opportunity there, whereas they're kind of maybe pigeonholed a little bit more or not pigeon. That's not the right term, but you know what I'm trying to say? Like they, they really have to follow the coach's script and they, they're not allowed to be as creative as maybe some of the co- sure. the, the college guys are. So uh, I think maybe that that's a benefit for someone like Morauskas who uh, Ignacio said could have gone uh, to the NBA draft, uh, could have declared for the draft instead of coming to, to the, to the college level, maybe playing at the college level for a year, playing the American style of basketball will help uh, prep him for the NBA draft. And hopefully if he ends up being pretty good at Arizona, hopefully it'll be more than a year, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Two years. Hey, but this is the year I want us to be really good. Final four, Shane. I know. Final four in Arizona or bust. Not getting my tickets just yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Talk about something that's going on in Arizona right now is a Pac-12 baseball tournament. So Arizona, we're recording this on Wednesday afternoon after Arizona beat Oregon State 13-12 and advanced to the semifinals on Friday. Now, we don't know who they're going to play yet as of the time of this recording. But, I mean, really exciting game. The offense works. The pitching has been a disaster. I mean, Same that's as it's been, yeah. All, all season. So what does Arizona need to do, in your opinion, to make the NCAA tournament? If they make the championship game, is that enough, in your opinion, considering they've gotten hot at the end of the year? Yeah, well, and first of all, I thought I was certain they're going to blow that game against Oregon State because they're up 12-8, Oregon State comes back and ties it. They've got runners at the corners with no outs in the ninth. You think, okay, they're going to lose this game like 17-12, to and then they, they get out of it and then get the, the winning run with two outs in the bottom of the ninth. So uh, congrats to Chip Hale and those guys. I'm glad to see them uh, finish the season strong. Uh, you know, entering uh, this game, the, the game against Oregon State, Arizona had an RPI of 51 which actually was three spots higher than ASU, which before their game against ASU, because they beat ASU to get to Oregon State, uh, ASU was actually projected as the last team in 
regionals per baseball America. So you would think if Arizona's ahead of them in RPI, maybe they'd have a shot. Now their Pac-12 record stinks. They're 12 and 18. Uh, so the, the record, the game, uh, the win over Oregon State, which had an RPI of 30, is very impressive. If they get one more, say against Stanford, that'd be even more impressive. But um, to get to regionals, I think uh, they have you know, to paraphrase Jake Taylor. They got to win the whole effing thing. I think they got to win the whole. Unfortunately, that that conference record just sticks out like a sore thumb. I think if they were to win on Friday night, I think we can make a legitimate argument. Now, you yeah. and I won't be on the air in between now and then, so we'll find out. I would still say that the chances of Arizona getting in are probably closer to 25% than they are 75%. Yeah. But uh, I think now we can at least start talking. This is a team that's heating up at the right moment. The bats are great. I mean, mm-hmm. McGlotry, Chase Davis has been great. Tony Bullard, uh, you know, Kiko Rivero. Yeah. yeah. I mean, walking off with that yep. today. Great. We'll see. I, I'm still not buying it, but if they get in, I might change my tune a little bit on Chappelle. Yeah, a, and a little bit. And I know, uh, and Baseball America's projections aren't gospel, but they're usually pretty accurate. And going into the Pac-12 tournament, uh, Arizona wasn't even on their list of uh, first four out or next four out. So can they climb that ladder? And remember, there's been a lot of baseball games played already. You know, there's twice as many baseball games at this point as basketball games. So one game isn't going to move the needle as much as it is in basketball. With that said, Arizona moved up four spots in RPI after beating ASU. I'm sure they're going to move up more. What's uh, their RPI right now? Do we- 51. They're, okay. they, that's that's up from 55 the day before. Uh, just a couple spots behind USC, which I think is also projected to be pretty solidly in. But that 12 and 18 conference record, it, it's tough. Now, if they go be they be there, Oregon State, if they go beat, say, Stanford and lose in the, in, then lose in the, uh, the championship game, maybe that'll be enough. But uh, just a fair or not, you know, the the, commi- the selection committee, they're going to look at that 12 and 18 conference record and say, I don't know if we can put these guys in without an automatic. And, unless unless they look at it and say, listen, the, the Pac-12 was a very strong baseball conference Always like the is. SEC. Yeah. So, you know, we're going to give them the benefit of the doubt that they played a, a really difficult schedule, whereas some of these teams beat up on, you know, nobodies in their yeah. conferences. Yeah. So I guess we'll find out. I'm still going to say they're out, but I think a win on Friday and we're – it. Saturday would be really interesting. I'll tell you Saturday. what, if, they, if they're the kind of team that got in, you remember Ole Miss last year? They, they, you they, bet. They, 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 they beat Arizona snuck twice in. and knocked them out. Right. They, they snuck in and and then they, they went on and, and ran rough shot over everyone else. And that's kind of how uh, – I, I'm not saying Arizona is going to do that, but it's kind of what, you know, what, what Andy Lopez's team did back in, in 2012. The pitching and, isn't there. I, I, just, I know. I know. I'm just saying you, you, they're not going to be a team. Win 12, there's not, games. If they get in, they're not going to be a team that anyone's going to want to play. Because no, because the offense is, is really good. Yeah. yeah. The offense is really good. The pitching stinks. Yeah. I mean, you're going to have to win like you did today, 13 to 12 and hold your, you know, what's uh, yeah. in, in every, I mean, yeah. good luck with that. Absolutely. All right. So, uh, last topic here, John Wilner of uh, the Bay Area News put out a quarterback room list the other week, and he has Washington with Michael Penix, number one in the conference, Caleb Williams, number two, with with including backups, which I'm not sure I agree with, but okay. Three is Oregon and Bo Nix. Okay, fine. I, I think those three are undisputed. Uh, it, Cam Rising in Utah is fifth, uh, which I, I would put ahead of Oregon State with DJ Ui Ungalele, who from Clemson, who wasn't very good. I'm so glad uh, you pronounced that, and I did. Uh, yeah, good luck with that. He has UCLA sixth with a bunch of guys I don't even know who they are. ASU seventh yeah. with a Notre Dame transfer, a BYU transfer, a freshman who got you know didn't take Florida's NIL money, and Trenton Borgay, and Arizona eighth with Jaden Delora, 
Noah Fafita, who's a four-star, and Brayden Dorman, who's a four-star. Yeah. I'm sorry, but to me, at looking at this list, Shane, Arizona has a top six, if not higher, quarterback room in the in the conference. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. I'm I'm, I'm kind of like my again, my first reaction was like, what? How could they possibly be eighth? But you look at it, and you know, certainly the the top three you can't really dispute. No, nope. Oregon, Oregon State, I think, is high. I I actually put Arizona higher than them. I, I just DJ has not shown anything. No, and, he hasn't. He's, he's going off the the, the name and, and the the potential and the and the and the ratings out of high school, which yeah. at this point are useless. UCLA, not much experience there. A lot of potential, but um, and, and you could here's the thing: you could say with Arizona, okay, they've got two guys who really haven't played yet. Potential, they haven't played yet. Maybe that's why you rank them as low as you have. But then UCLA is ranked high, higher than Arizona, presumably because of the potential. So, uh, so there's that. ASU, uh, mm-hmm. you know, maybe in terms of depth or a little bit. I mean, look. The Territorial Cup game, Trenton Borgay was the best quarterback on the field. Um, with that said, I would still rather have Jaden Delora than Trenton Borgay this season. Uh, so maybe a little low. I, I, I'm i not going to argue with it too much. I, I've My biggest takeaway is Oregon State at number four is way too high. I would put Arizona at number five in the conference, Washington, mm-hmm. USC, and Oregon. Probably go USC one, Washington two, Oregon three, Utah with uh, Cam Rising four. I'd put Arizona five and then... Uh, probably UCLA and Oregon State right there. ASU, you know, beyond that. And forget you're forgetting about you know Cam Ward and Washington State. Yeah, uh, another good player who played well against Arizona. Uh, Colorado has Deion Sanders' kid, who who knows how good he is from Jackson State. Cal and Stanford are absolute disasters. Uh, so don't expect much from the Bay Area schools there. I just saw this list, and Arizona at number eight just did not make any sense to me. So yeah. I wanted to get that in there. Yeah, I would say Arizona and Washington State are probably the two that I might move up a little. I don't know number five, but probably move up those guys. And then Oregon State, I would bump down at least a couple spots. Well, I also want to congratulate the women's golf team. They made a run, uh, did not make the final eight, but they they gave it a good run. And, uh, you know, we appreciated their success. They're always good. Laura Ionello does a great job uh, yep, sure with does. that. So let's hope baseball can, uh, can keep things going and give us uh, – another uh, week to talk about well if so we'll do some we'll be talking uh, baseball predictions early next week if not who knows what conference arizona will be in in the coming weeks so uh, a lot going on and uh, another fun show thanks to ignacio risotto for joining us great insight shane as always so for shane dale i'm eric cohen thanks for listening and as always bear down